0: Together. Father, we do thank you for this opportunity, this incredible privilege and honor to be able to hear your word, your word which is sharper than any double edged sword, your word which is more precious than anything at all, your word which is just priceless. And so, Father, I pray. I pray for the moms here, Lord. I pray that um, for those who are going through a very, very discouraging Mother's Day, uh, perhaps a wayward child, perhaps the death of a loved one, even a death of a child. And so, Father, I pray that you would even now bring healing to their hearts. I pray for the new moms here, Lord, the ones who are, uh, have nothing but hope filling their heart, the excitement of raising a child, the, the busyness of it all, Father, I do pray that they would, in fact, uh, be uh, just engulfed in your love, given over to your wisdom, so that they might make the right decisions in, in that child's life. Father, I also pray for the grandparents here, and Lord, I pray that you would help them to be influential in leading their grandchildren and, uh, to you, and that you would have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way throughout this place. Touch every life, touch every heart. Satan, we rebuke you in Jesus' name. You have no authority here. We ask, O Lord, that you would just open our eyes and open our hearts to your word. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So glad you're here. Um, Last week, can everybody see this from here? Maybe this might be too much. Maybe we can just kind of bring it a little bit over here. Can everybody see that? Is that okay? Last week, I'm going to give you the sort of the sermon in a nutshell. Last week, we talked about the center of your life. We said, simply, that everybody here has a center of their lives. For some of you, it's your children. They're, they're the reason you wake up in the morning. They're the reason you go to sleep at night. The, if, if it was a choice between your children and absolutely anything else, including your spouse, you would pick kids. It's just, that's the center of your life. We said that others, it's, it's a longing. It's a desire for pleasure. That's the center of your life. We said that we can tell what the center of your life is simply by watching the decisions that you make. If you ever found yourself in a situation where you said, why did I make that decision? Whether good or bad, we could tell what was fueling propelling, guiding that decision. It's simply your center, the the thing that's at the core of who you are. And we said, since everybody has something that they live for, something that they would die if they lived it out, and remember what we said if you can't find it? If you're not sure what the center of your life is, just ask yourself this question. I'll be happy when then fill in that blank. What is it? Just think about it. I'll be happy when... What is that? Well, that's the center of your life. If nothing came to your mind, how's about this question? I would die if... this happened. What is this? What is that blank? I would die if... Well, if you answer those two questions, you generally tend to find the very center of your life. I would die if everybody learned that thing about me. So the center of your life is the appearance that you keep. I would die if this secret was found out. Well, then the center of your life is a deception. I would die if my husband ever left me. Well, then the center of your life is your husband. I would die if my kids ever started using drugs. Well, then the center of your life is your kids not using drugs. You get what I'm saying? It's very simple, not difficult, to find out the center. And what we're saying in this series, since we already have a center, God says, okay, I got an idea. Since you're already going to give yourself over to one thing, you're already going to, you're created to worship and you will worship one thing. Here's, here's an idea. Why not put Christ at the center of your life? Why not put the one who won't suck life out of you, but will actually give life, and life in all its abundance? Now, the rest of the week, or I'm sorry, through the rest of the series, we're going to discuss the ways that God makes himself The center of your life, the means of grace, the things that God uses to help us see Christ as the center of our lives. And this week, we're going to start with, oh, there it is, and it's on the right side, I'm on the wrong side. This week, we're going to start, oh, I hope that sticks. It does. Okay, so right, this week, we're going to start with the word of God. And and just so you know, because I'm not trying to be sexy or cute or anything like that, all I want you to do by the end of today is actually start opening your Bible each day. That's all. That's it. This is not a super sophisticated sermon. Here's what I want you to do. The sermon will not be finished until you do this. Read your word each day. I'm going to give you five different ways to get into the Bible. I'm going to give you help with every single way that I give you to get into the Bible. I'm going to be personally encouraging you with scriptures each day. All I want you to do is open the thing. This is not a complex sermon. Okay, now, statistically, statistically, eight of you will do this. Statistically, eight of you will do it. But I don't believe that. I believe that the Spirit of God is going to move in this place in such a way that you are going to make a decision. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to open the Bible. I'm going to open the Bible. I'm going to go like this. I'm just going to go like this. Open it to where I need to be, not in a haphazard way, and I'm going to start reading it. Now, if that sounds like a lot, for the rest of the sermon, I'm going to try to convince you that this will be good for you. That's all. You could leave now. That's what the rest of the sermon's going to be. Just convince you that this is going to be good for you. I was, I was on a train. It had to be over a dozen years ago. I, as many of you know, struggle with things like depression and anxiety. Um, I, I get overwhelmed with emotions sometimes. Anybody else get like that? It's, it's, it, it, it can be debilitating sometimes. Sometimes I, I get so focused on me that uh, it, just, it, it just puts a dark cloud. I wonder if you know what I mean when I say the dark cloud. Like you don't want to even get up out of bed. Some of you have no idea. You are just go-getters and strong, and you could do everything on your own. And you have no clue what I'm talking about. I'm just t- telling you my story. This is what I struggle with. Everybody struggles with something. And so I remember being, I had just uh, recently come to Christ. And when I say recently, probably within the last two or three years at that time, And so I came to Christ and I was riding on a train and a thought came to me. And I didn't remember what the thought was, but I remembered that once I had the thought, a black cloud started to come over my head. And I remember immediately praying, God, help me to figure out. Because it felt like one of those dark clouds. And you got to understand, when I go into a depression, I don't go into a depression for like a day or two. I go into a depression for like nine months I can go into a depression for three years. And so this is, not, this is not something that I wanted to kind of fall into. And it just kind of spirals on and on. Well, I said, God, would you please re- just open my eyes, help me to see what I just thought about that's leading me into this dark place. And, and immediately he reminded me what I just thought of a few seconds ago. And the thought was about something terrible that I had done to somebody else and how guilty I felt and how wrong I was. Now, here's the thing. Was the thing that I did terrible? Absolutely. Was it wrong? Yes. Was the fact that I was a Christian now made that better? No. It was awful, terrible any time of the day. I hurt someone. And it started to come over my... And I I just, as, as I started to feel, I was like, whoa. The Lord did this incredible thing. He put a verse inside my head. It was, we're not going to look at it today. I'm just going to tell you as a, as a part of the, the story. It's it's First 1 John 1, 1.9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a good verse? Now, this verse is speaking not to Not to people who just go, oh yeah, Jesus is Lord, or not to, no, no. This verse is speaking to Christians, people who believe trust. Remember how we've been talking about that? Who put all of their eggs in Jesus' basket. People who have Christ at the center of their lives. And so, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, listen to me. At that moment, and I'm, I'm telling you the story. It probably took around 15 minutes. It was, it was the distance, uh, of a train ride, right? Of being on this one particular train. It, it left me. It just, it just left my thoughts. I wasn't depressed. I wasn't. Now, I didn't need to take medication. I didn't need to go through psychotherapy. I didn't need to have, listen, a verse, that God supernaturally placed in my heart in the perfect moment. Help me to think what God thinks rather than what I think. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But listen to me. I'm not the only one who has wrong ideas and wrong thoughts in this congregation, am I? I mean, many of us struggle with things like depression, Anxiety. Fear. I mean, you don't even know why you struggle with the fear. But you know that you do struggle with the fear. Some of you uh, uh, have anxieties. and, And you wrestle with those anxieties. Some of you fear the sounds of chains coming at you all the time. And... And you, you always hear chains clanging in the back of your head when they're not even there. And I wonder if anybody's experiencing that right now. Um, some of you, some of you have experienced a great sense of fear, fear of being alone. You know, how, you know how many bad decisions fear will fuel? You know how many horrible lifestyle choices fear will fuel? Fear will make you marry the wrong person even when you know They're the wrong person. Fear, fear will have you destroy a relationship even when there's nothing, no good reason to destroy that relationship. No, no, no. I just can't. I just can't. I I, I just can't get, I can't grow in intimacy. I'll, I'll recoil. Fear will have you smother your children to the degree that the very children that you want to love you will bolt as soon as as they get the chance, fear. But, 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 but that's what's crowding in our minds. Others of us, what's, the, the thing that's filling our minds is our insecurities. There's two types of insecurities. There's the male, generally speaking, I'm speaking generally. There's the male type, and then there's the female type. The male type of fear or insecurity is this. The men walk around saying, Do I have what it takes? That's the fear that men go through. Do I have what it takes to be a good husband to this wife? To excel with this job? To really accomplish my goals? To raise these children? To be a passionate, wonderful lover for my wife? Do I have what it takes? Women, on the other hand come with a different set of fears and insecurities. Am I too much? Will my husband be able to handle all of my emotions, all of me? Am I, am I too much? Both of those fears, both of those insecurities will have you make decisions and choices, take steps in the wrong directions that will hurt you deeply. But they're, they're the only thing you've got if that's the only thing that's swimming around in your head, then it's the only thing you've got. And what I'm thinking is, if that's the only thing that's swimming around your head, you don't, you don't, need, you don't need some positive affirmation. You don't need positive affirmation. You don't need some good thoughts. You need a lobotomy. You need a brain transfusion. You need, you need a, a, a completely way of viewing the world and... Yourself. God has an idea about that. God knows this about us. And so what God does is, I think, incredible. He says, I will make new again. I will go, not in a construction sort of fixing way, I will replace, right? Um, there's a wonderful show... I don't know how wonderful... I mean, it's a pretty good show. But it, I like it a lot. And whenever I get the chance to see it. Um, like when we go on vacation, we go... Uh, the, the hotels or the places that we stay have uh, the TVs. And so I'm like... This is... My wife, every vacation goes, this is the reason we don't have TV in our home. Because I get engulfed. Uh, Men, are you like this? I could be watching something and my wife, and this she just experimented with this recently because I was at my sister's house. And she has a total conversation with me. She goes, what what do you think? And I'm like... Zoned out. I'm totally not listening, right? That's me, right? And um, so I, I, there's this show, and it's called um, uh, home, uh, uh, something Home Edition. Uh, extreme, home, uh, extreme Makeover Home Edition. Anybody ever see Extreme Makeover Home Edition? Right, okay. See, there are some homes that you come in, and you put a little paint on the wall, and you fix a couple of pipes, And you, you know, put the shingles on the roof. And, man, new house. Beautiful. And then there are some that you just have to say, tear down that house. Okay. Jesus is the crazy guy with the microphone. And he goes, tear down those houses. But he can't do that. He goes, he goes, Jesus gives you absolutely everything that you need. If you receive Jesus Christ, you get the Holy Spirit. That means that you get a longing, a desire, a, a quickening, a, a, an unction to want to read God's word. When you actually read God's word, this ancient document, this confusing literature becomes a little bit more clear. It becomes, you are illuminated by it. It's, it's inspiring and powerful. Just yesterday... I was struck by a scripture that brought tears to my eyes. It'll mean nothing to you if I shared it with you. But it deeply moved me. Well, God does that with scripture. God does it with his holy word. And so what we're going to do, God knows it's, it's not a paint that wall. It's not shingle that roof. It's not plaster that hole. It's tear down those thoughts. Christ, as he's the center of our life, the means of grace. Now, who's going to do this? Am I going to do it by my own bootstraps? Of course not. If you could, you'd have done it by now. We're not saying that you can do it. Listen, listen, here's the difference. Okay, When we receive Christ... God does this in us. This is what's called a means of grace, an activity or a, a, a process of grace. God gives you the desire to read his word. God gives you the ability to read his word. God gives you the time to read his word. God gives you the reminder to read his word. God, God does it all. All we get to do is enjoy. No different, no different than a baby being at her mother's breasts. That baby takes no credit for that. The mother uh, recognizes the time when they, she needs to feed the baby. She recognizes that the baby needs such a thing. She picks up the baby. She, she literally carries the baby to the place of sustenance. And, and all the baby has to do is latch on to The baby doesn't take any credit for that. It's nothing. The baby does nothing. All we have to do is enjoy and get the sustenance that we need. Some of you moms remember that, right? None of your babies. If you saw your babies go, yes, I totally self-sustaining. After you just fed that baby your milk, you'd be like, no, little one, and we're going to have problems in the future. But um, you'd go, no, that's weird. That's weird. See, because the means by which you sustain that baby's life is your milk, is it not? The means by which Christ grows as the center of your life. Is this, anybody know what it is? Oh, gosh. I'll make it easy for you. Okay? Anybody know what it is? One, two, three? Sure, it's the Word. Now, God knows, God knows that you and I desperately need to tear down those thoughts. To have a revolutionary way of thinking. Not to just sort of, listen, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not talking about positive positive affirmation. I'm not talking about looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I'm pretty enough. I'm smart enough. I'm darn good at what I do. Because the fact is some of us are ugly and stupid and not good at what we do, and that's fine. Listen, if I go into the mirror and I go, I'm pretty pretty enough, (laughs) the guy in the mirror is going to tell me otherwise. I am not pretty enough. Supermodel, I am not. I accept this about myself. This is not a problem. Here's the problem. When I start telling myself things that I'm not, I eventually can't convince a liar. You see, I'm the liar. And so I might, I might not be good looking enough, but my value perhaps is not in my beauty. Perhaps it's something deeper. I might not be Wealthy enough, but my value is not in the things that I possess. See, it's not a paint that wall. It's not a build that bridge. It's not a a, a put that, you know, lay those shingles. It's a tear down those thoughts. There's a very curious section in Scripture that speaks of a person being attacked. And there's several different places. But this is curious, because it's not a person's thoughts that's attacking him, but it's other people's accusations. But I've discovered that my thoughts tend to sound like other people's accusations. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to turn to... Now, in your bulletin, get a magnifying glass out. I, I put this scripture in... You know, we make these bulletins like... We don't make these bulletins on Sunday morning. We make these bulletins, like, in the middle of the week. And, like, yeah, it takes all week. Yeah, Alex is, yeah, because he's the one who's helping to do them. And um, so I had to add an addendum down here, lower right side. Does everybody see it? It's a little microscopic. So if you've got a magnifying glass or glasses, you're going to want to take them out. But you want to open that up and look at that, because that's where we're going to spend our time and then we're going to look at how, um, how we can apply this in our lives. So now, look up at me. Listen to me. Look up at me. Look at me. Context means everything in the Bible. Listen, I don't want you... you listen, NBT. I do not... I do not want you to walk around taking scriptures out of context... Telling them that they are promises for you when they're not. I'm going to explain the scriptures to you, but it's not, it's not good. Listen, if you walk around going, "As for me and my household, we shall be saved. It's just, and, and you're walking around wondering why your kids aren't saved. It's because you've taken a text out of context. It's because you've, ta- you, you, you've taken something that God said out of context and you've claimed it as a promise. You see, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to look at the Bible as your own personal fortune cookie where you just kind of turn anywhere and make the Bible say anything that you want it to say. That's not what the Bible's about. So we're not, this this verse has been taught that this is about thoughts. It's not about thoughts. If you just start on the first verse of uh, chapter 10 and you go down to, Chapter 11, you discover that Paul is not being attacked by his thoughts. He's being attacked by other people. But it's incredibly similar. So the principle that Paul elevates to defend himself against such attacks by people are the very principles that we're going to take for our own thoughts. But it's not his thoughts. It's... So context means everything. Please, 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 don't take the Bible to rip out of its scriptures to make it mean whatever, you know, um, whatever you want it to mean for you. I just don't want that for you. You know why? You know what's going to happen? In your own mind, you're going to make a liar out of God. What you're going to do is you're going to go, you know, you're going to take one of those prosperous verses, right, that nobody ever bothers to read two or three verses ahead of it and says, if you do this, then you will prosper. People just go, no, 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 I'm going to prosper and this is what's going to happen. And, and then you don't prosper. You know? And, 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 then, and then you wonder, well, 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 God's word must be lying to me. It's not God's word lying to you. It's just, you just it's, it's like, um, I've had this happen. My, my wife can attest this to. I tell my kids, hey, um, it's possible we might go to the park today. Have you ever done this? We might go to the park today. Maybe. Possibly. Perhaps if the conditions allow. Right? I have to get this specific now. Right? Because I've learned early on that children, as you're driving home, and you're exhausted, you go, okay, no, no, no. It's, it's, like, it's like a hailstorm, and it's like real bad, and you, like you just want to get home, and you just finished all this stuff, and you got all this... And they go, and they go, Pa, aren't we going to go to the park? And I said, no, but... But you said... You said, no, 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 I did not say. I said possible. If the conditions allow. Potentially. I did not say. Everybody who has kids knows this. Right? And so you have to like spread that out. Well, you know what? That, that's what we do with God's word when we rip it out. When we, what we wind up doing is we wind up molesting God's word. Using it in a way that has no intention of being used. So we're going to look at scripture. Paul is an apostle we find what he's going to share with us in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament. It's just after 1 Corinthians. Isn't that creative? And so, 2 Corinthians is found in the New Testament, um, written by Paul. Paul is an apostle, and he's writing to this church in Corinth. He's letting them know, now this church has received from other Christians what a lousy guy Paul is. Paul, you dirty... Now, now, here's what they do. Paul's opponents... Listen to me. This is why this scripture is going to be so valuable for us. Listen to what Paul's enemies are saying about him. And see if this doesn't sound familiar about what you say about yourself. Paul's opponents, they, they made these five, five accusations sort him. First of all, they said, though he wrote several letters, he was a coward. You ever walk around thinking that you're just a coward. They said they accused him of being a worldly man. This is especially true if you just come to Christ and you go, oh no, you're just a worldly man. No, 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 I'm a new creation. That's what the Bible says. I'm, I'm, my, my sins have been forgiven. I have a purpose for living. I have a place in heaven. I'm not of this world. I'm a, I'm a heavenly man. They said that he was... Uh, uh, I, we, we have two services, so we don't have enough time. But just, if you're a note-taker... Okay, they thought that... They, they, um, they, they said that he was a coward. You'll find that in uh, chapter 10, verses 1, 9, and 10. Um, they said that he was a worldly man. You'll find that in the same chapter, chapter 10, verse 2. Um, they said that he was a braggart in verse 8. Like he was just arrogant, right? Um, they said that he knew... Um, Uh, that he was an inferior apostle, right? You find that in uh, chapter... uh, An inferior apostle, you find that in chapter 11, verse 5, chapter 12, verse 11, and chapter 13, verse 3. They also said that he was an unskilled speaker and repulsive in personal appearance. Like, not only are you a bad Christian, but you are ugly and your mother dresses you funny. Like, that's, that's a tough, like, you know. But listen to this. He was in, and you find that in verse 10 of chapter 10. Uh, verse 10 of chapter 10. Look up at me. The very same things that these men were accusing Paul, I find throughout a lot of my counseling that I do. We'll start with the last one first. Repulsive. In. Uh, personal appearance it, everybody I know wants to be found beautiful i don 't want to be found ugly. I want to be seen as beautiful it 's why just before the summer, every guy starts to what exercise work out sure because you want to be when you go on the beach where do you want to be found beautiful it 's why it 's why women it 's why women will put their bodies through terrible things in order to fit into a particular size that you have no business desiring to fit into. Like, no, has anybody, has anybody, has anybody, I, I don't mean that like in a mean way, I mean that in a, in a genuine way. Have you said, has anybody, like, have you seen the women in uh, these magazines? Some of them look like 12-year-old boys. Like, there's these anorexic, and I go, I'm tr- that's not that attractive to me. That's, a, you know, and, the, and then in this day where, where everything is augmented and, and, and what is it called? Not spray paint. Uh, uh, airbrushed. Thank you. That the, Everything is airbrushed. You could literally, you could, listen, you could literally be 13 years old and not eat for three days having already been under the natural or uh, the right weight for you and be starving yourself for three days to make your body do what it was never, ever intended to do. It's, it's, Paul's opponents called him repulsive. They called him ugly. You ever experienced anything that? They called him a failure. They, they said that he um, was inferior. Man, I got to struggle with this all the time. I, anybody here ever just get stuck in comparisons? Like where you start comparis, comparing your insides to other people's outsides, right? You can do this with your own kids. Oh, their kids are so well, but why aren't you guys more like them? Or, you know, you do whatever you do. You know, and, and there's a real, you start comparing, maybe I was, you, you start comparing yourself. Well, Well, they start comparing Paul to all the other guys, and they go, he's not a Peter. He's not a John. He's not a James. He's an inferior apostle. He was worldly man. He's not of God. He was a braggart, a proud man. He's not humble. He was, yeah, yeah, he writes these very powerful letters, but in person he's unimpressive. Totally unimpressive. Men, I know that this is a fear of ours. That we would be found lacking. That we would be found not enough. in Christ, we can get the right focus. In Christ, we can start looking at the right thing. In Christ, we could stop going, oh, these four qualities that make a real, real man. And depending on what culture you come from, they change drastically, don't they? In my Puerto Rican culture, it's one thing. In an Irish culture, it might be something else. I want us to fight. Listen, don't paint that thought. Don't patch up that idea. Don't scaffold that mindset. Tear down those thoughts. Paul speaks against this, uh, against their five accusations. And he says it in a way that teaches us a great deal of how to speak to ourselves. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4-5 through five says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not human weapons, but are made powerful by God for, everybody say these three words with me, tearing down strongholds, look up at me, Paul is going to use a lot of, Paul is going to use a lot of military kind of um, images, and images that would have made perfect sense to them, but for us it doesn't make any sense, because when we think of war, we think of planes, we think of ships, we think of M16s, there's no real um, uh, fortresses or things, I mean, not really that hold up. I mean, you might be able to visit one in Puerto Rico or something like that, but there's no real fortresses that are supposed to sustain people for any period of time during war. For the weapons of our warfare are not human weapons, but are made powerful by God. For what? For tearing down strongholds. Now, I'm going to read the whole thing, and then I'm going to start explaining because you have to see the whole image. We tear down. Do you see it again? We tear down what? What's the next word? Arguments. And every... What's the next two words? Yes, that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obey Christ. Paul is speaking in military um, things. So so when uh, uh, we take down every thought captive, we take down every... If you saw this in the Greek this would be really cool because it talks about high places and strongholds. And the, now, what in the Greek, this is what Paul was getting at. And, and you can see it in the ESV. You don't see it too much um, here in the Net Bible. They're trying to help you to just kind of understand the flow of it so that you can kind of uh, understand and then apply it. But in, in the original, what Paul was getting at, in, in Corinth, they had this unbelievable fortress On a very high hill. That's why when Paul talks about these high things, he's giving them an image of a fortress. And so here's what would happen. These people who would um, find the enemy attacking them. So the enemy is attacking them. What they would do is that they would have a walled city. Enough to fit the entire population. This walled city was on a high hill. So it was difficult to get to. And, it, you know, it might have had a moat, it might had it was tough to penetrate. So what happens is, is that the enemy would come, and he would come, and he would try to knock that, but they couldn't do anything. Because they would just stay walled up in the city. And the walls could be as thick as 16 feet. Like this, I mean, you need better than a bulldozer to get through this thing. This is an amazingly well-built and it has everything that it needs and they're sustained there. And what they would do is they would generally wait their enemy out and pick them off as they could. And so the enemy would get tired, exhausted, drained, depleted, and they would go back and they would go, oh, okay, we made it. Now that's a good thing, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say that it's a good thing if you're if you live in an age where you don't have planes and modern um, instruments of war that the only way that people are going to get to you is by foot? Isn't it a good thing to have a fortress to hide behind where you could be protected? And now here's the problem. Here's the problem. What Paul does is he turns the illustration on its head, and he says that's what the accusations do. In Paul's case, it's accusations coming from someone else. In our case, many times, it's accusations coming from our head. Just ask yourself this. If you talked to your friends the way you talk to yourself, will you still have any friends? If you said to your friends things that you say to yourself, would you still have friends? See, see, there's a way that we talk to ourselves that can be destructive. Now, again, in, Paul, in this scripture, Paul is talking about attacks that are being thrown at him. And uh, what we, we're doing is we're taking the principle of being having these thoughts or these these, uh, these uh, attacks, but that are coming not from outside sources, but are coming from our head. Now, here's the problem. Paul turns this illustration on its head, and he says, "The problem is, is that your." Your negative attacks have a stronghold, a high place in your mind, if you will. And what it happens is that in your mind, your thoughts or, or accusations or, or put-downs, they see that you want to run to Christ, that you want to be broken before Jesus, that you want to have Christ as the center of your life. And so God is getting you into his word. And so you start, you start reading God's word and memorizing God's word and meditating on God's word and, and studying God's word and hearing God's word. You start doing all these things and you start going, yes, I'm growing. But and then that thought comes in, you know you were a bad father. You know you were a lousy husband. You know you were a terrible mom. And what they do is you go, no, but God's word says they run into their fortress, their high place, and, and they're protected. And, the, and then it finally beats you down and you go, oh, yeah. And then it gives you examples and examples of all the bad things you've ever done. Yeah, you know, I guess I, guess I am out of shape. Yeah, you know, I guess I wasn't a very good husband. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I guess, I guess I, I'm not very smart. And, the, and, and it gives you examples. That's a stronghold, Beloved. When you believe lies about yourself, that's a stronghold. And they're entrenched. And you know what happens? You get exhausted. You get picked off. And you walk around for the rest of your life. No, no, no. Why, tr- why bother trying for that position? Why bother reaching out to them? They're only, going to, they're only going to shoot me down. Why bother trying to make amends? Why bother trying to eat healthy? Why bother trying to achieve a goal? Why bother going for that promotion? Why bother going back to school? You didn't do good in school when you were there. Man, you know what that is? You know what that's called? A stronghold. A high thing. And Paul says, we come to tear them down. We come to destroy them. We come to... Absolutely pit God's Word with God's power against the ungodly thoughts that you and I have for God's glory so that we might live the Christ-centered life. This is what he says. He says, We tear down arguments, verse 5, and every arrogant obstacle that is raised up against the knowledge of God. You know what an arrogant obstacle is? I'll tell you, I hear this all the time. An arrogant obstacle is when people who are forgiven by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ come to me and tell me that while they understand God has forgiven them, they don't forgive themselves. You know what I call that? That is an arrogant, arrogant obstacle. Are you saying that your opinion matters more than God's? Are you saying that your thought or idea is more valid than God's? Are you saying that God might have meant that he forgives everybody their sins who come to him and ask for that forgiveness except that one that you committed that's behind your closet? You know what we call that? We call that every arrogant obstacle that is raised up against the knowledge of God. I had done something terrible when I was on that train. I had remembered the terrible thing that I did. First John 1, nine was right, though. If we confess our sins. Not that I did something good. Oh, it wasn't that bad. See, the world wants you to think, well, it wasn't that bad. Well, I was using drugs. The world has you make excuses or deny. And I'm telling you, don't do it. If you do that, it'll kill you. Because you can't fool you. No, it was that bad. Worse. No, it was that terrible. Worse. No, you did fail that bad. More terrible than you thought. Listen to me. Listen to me. And God forgives those who run to Him for forgiveness. And I can be forgiven. But I don't forgive me. Who cares? Who are you to contradict the God of the universe? You've lifted yourself up as a height. You have a stronghold. It needs to, listen, that doesn't need to be protected anymore. It needs to be torn down. Don't paint that wall. Don't lay down those shingles. Don't replace that floor. Tear down those thoughts. We do it through scripture. Sometimes I wish we were in India. Because in India, they let the pastors preach for like three or four hours. And so... <laughs> I have so much more to say about this. I do. Um, but right now, what I'm going to do, we're going to turn a corner, and we're going to take 10 minutes. Would you give me just 10 minutes of your affectionate time? I mean, I mean, really focused, affectionate. God, I know you're going to speak to me right now. In fact, I'm going to pray for us in, in light of that, that you would be able to receive, because I'm going to give you what to do, I'm going to give you how to do it, and I'm going to provide you. I'm going I'm to take you to my breast. And I'm going to fill you with everything that you need. And all I want you to do is simply take it in. And only if you're 12 are you giggling about that. And I know who you are. And so, um, but I'm I'm taking it to the other illustration that we said. Okay. Um, Okay. So here's the first thing. Now, the first thing that what we've been talking about is grabbing a hold of God's words. Like, just, you can't take this out of my hand. Like, Dennis, do me a favor. Dennis is a strong guy. Come over here. All right? No, he's stronger than me, for sure. Look at him. And he's, okay. Now, Dennis, I want you to hold on to that, okay? I mean, really hold on to it, okay? I'm going to try to take it from Dennis. I can't take it from him. I can't take it from him. Watch this. No, it's... <laughs> Awesome. That That's great. That was funny. That was funny. Yeah, I can't, take it, I can't take it from him unless he gave it to me. I can't take it from him unless he gives it to me. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Look at your hand. I mean, the hand on the paper. Look at the hand on the paper. Now watch this. The hand on the paper, right? Right on the pinky, I want you to write, hear God's Word. Now, I'm going to take that same illustration... And I'm going to bring Dennis here. Dennis, come back up. We're going to, he's going to be coming up and down for the rest of this thing. I'll come down to you. Right? I want you to hold this just with your pinky. Just hold it with your, just with your pinky. Now watch this. We all agreed that I really tried to take this from him. Right? Like I wasn't playing. I was really trying to take it from him. Watch this. I need you to hear God's word. This is what you're doing. Thank you. I need you to hear God's word. This is what you're doing. But if this is the only place that you get God's word, you don't have God's word deep. You, it, when the devil comes and snatch, when the devil tells you about your spouse that you should leave and you have no scripture to support, no, 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 no. I'm to love my wife. I'm not in competition. She's not my enemy. I'm to love my wife. I'm to respect my husband. I'm not in competition. He's not my enemy. I'm to respect my husband. You know, listen. When you're just holding it on, just hearing it, and you only come on Sundays. And by the way, kudos for coming on Sundays. I'm, I'm I don't want to speak to empty seats. Like I want you here. But I'm just saying. This. It's not enough. I mean, it's good, but it's not enough. And even if you're as strong as the strongest person in the room, you will discover that hearing God's word just coming on Sundays is not enough. So, good news, you're already doing one-fifth of the sermon. You're here, and you're hearing God's word and you're hearing about how Paul wrote to the Corinthians and what God's word has to say about that. And going, now, the scripture that I want you to put right next to that is Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Just right on that same pinky, Romans 10:17. Now, if you look over at the last verse, we're going to kind of go from bottom to top. We're going to go from bottom to top, okay? So you, you see on the bottom where it says Romans 10:17? Do You see, I have it right there for you. It says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Do you hear that? Faith comes from hearing the message. What are you doing right now? Anybody know what you're doing right now? You're hearing the message. And, and occasionally I'll bore you. Occasionally I'll excite you. Occasionally I'll make you laugh. Occasionally I'll get you upset. But when, no matter what, it's, it's a pinky hole. It's not bad, but it's not all that God wants for you when, it, when it, we're talking about putting Christ. And some of you have been coming to church for years. All you've gotten is hearing God's word with your little pinky and you're wondering why you're so defeated. I just let you know. Because when the devil comes, he can smack God's word right out of your hand with no effort. Because all you've got is your pinky. That's not a lot. But now watch this. Let's now go to the the finger right next to your pinky. Okay, that's the ring finger. Thank you. Go to your ring finger. And I want you to right there, read. Read. So not only do I want you to hear, I want you to have God's word inside of you. But now, I don't just want you to hear God's word, what you're doing now, what you do on the radio, what you do on podcasts, uh, you know, all that stuff, internet and all that other stuff. That's great, you know. I have heroes on the radio and stuff like that. Charles Stanley, you know, on podcasts like John Piper and, and incredible, uh, you know, C.J. Mahaney and, and, and R.C. Sproul and incredible speakers. But that's not enough. That's just, watch this. And so what is that? That's called, that's called hearing God's Word. And then we go to the second part, which is reading God's Word. Now, reading God's Word, I want you to see this scripture, Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Revelation, chapter 1, verse 3. And you see it right next, uh, um, so write that, did you write that in the finger? Did you write that in the finger, guys? Yes? So write, read, Revelation 1, 3. Okay. Blessed is the the one who, what is that word, guys? In fact, I want, do me a favor. You've been sitting for a while. Would you stand and read this out loud? Because this is a powerful verse that I just don't want you to miss. Here it is. Here it is. Oh, good. Now watch this. Everybody, stretch up to the sky. Oh man, he's gonna be another ten minutes. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Revelation one three. Revelation one three. Let's read it together. One, two, three. Blessed is the one, and blessed are those who hear it, because the time is near. Thus speaks God's word. Listen, blessed is the one who reads God's word and takes it in. Sit down. Now watch this. Now, if you have, if you have, if you're hearing God's word, that means you're coming to Sundays, and 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 you're not just coming, but you're bringing other people. And you know that's another sermon, but you know, just you're coming and you're listening to God's word, and you're not. You know, you're not going, oh, well, you know, his shirt is not perfectly aligned with his belt or, you know, oh, he said this and I'm not going to listen to him or, oh, his personality or anything like that. You know, if you don't do that, if you actually hear God's word, that's powerful. But to read God's word, ooh, you're, you're doing something now. You're opening God's word and you, read, and you go, but I don't know where to start. Where do I start reading God's word? Every week we put a um, bookmark in your, a paper bookmark, not as nice as the bookmark we got for the mothers, but we put a paper bookmark that we, we have the verses. This week we went all out. We put this. You know what this is? This is you reading god 's word i 'm going to talk to you more about this because this is not just reading we 're going to get to study and we're going to get to do all sorts of things just with this just so, so everybody, if you 've got this, just go ahead and hold it up for me, hold it up for me, and then we're just going to race right through. okay, so right, so first thing, I want you to hear god 's word. The second thing I want you to do is what read god 's word the The third thing I want you to do is study god 's word study god 's word. Acts chapter seventeen verse 11. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Right? Now go back into your, um, the other side uh, of your bulletin and here's what the Bible says. Now the Bereans, the Berean, look up at me, the Bereans were people who were hearing God's word, who lived in a place called Berea and didn't believe their pastor. They said, I want to find this out for myself. I wish you would all believe, be Bereans. Not just go, I don't believe my pastor, but you know what? I need to see that in the scriptures for myself. That's the kind of people we need to be. Um, uh, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. See, what you're doing when you're studying God's word, not only are you hearing God's word Sundays, reading God's word daily basis, studying God's word, you're, you know, on a weekly or, or, or uh, uh, every other day basis, you're... You're really, oh my gosh, the word of God is hitting you in so many different, you've heard it, you've read it, now you're studying it and trying to apply it to your life. See, this is why so few Christians ever see transformation. They hear, they read, they don't study, they don't apply it to change. It doesn't, I always, uh, you know, when I'm, I'm talking to my family, I go, hey. Um, so how's your devotional life going? I'll I'll, I'll say that to my daughter. I'll say that to my wife. And she goes, oh, it's pretty good. And she goes, "Uh," I said, so what's the scripture? And she'll tell me what the scripture was. I go, so what? So what? So what does it mean to you? How how does it change your life? How does that scripture, how does that devotional change your life? Because it should change. It should should do something in you. It shouldn't just be a cool idea. Woo, isn't that cool? Wow, isn't that a novel thing? Man, that's a cool thing. No, it, it should change you. Okay, so first we said we need to. No, no, no. First in your pinky. We need to hear God's word. Then we need to read God's word. Then we need to study God's word. The fourth one, we need to memorize God's word. Write that down. Memorize God's word. Memorize God's word. Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11. Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11. There's not enough time. Okay, Um, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? That's Psalm 119:9. Listen to Psalm 119:11 as the musicians come up. Now, the uh, I'm sorry, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart. It's Psalm 119 verses 9 and 11. Now watch this. So now, let's see what we're doing. Now, how are we going to engage in God's Word? We're going to hear hear. hear God's Word. We're going to, then we're going to, then we're going to, now the last one is we're going to meditate. Meditate. Meditation is not a focus on nothing. That is foreign to the Bible. Meditation is not a contemplation of your, I don't know how else to say it. It's not a contemplation of your navel. I just, and I don't want to insult anybody if you're coming from that background. Me too. I was studying Buddhism and I was studying the Eightfold Path. I don't want to insult you. I'm just saying that the Bible doesn't speak about meditation that way. The Bible does not speak about meditation that way. The Bible speaks about meditation in going over a biblical thought or a biblical idea. Yesterday I was hit with a powerful thought not with a powerful scripture not that i was trying to memorize because the scripture was longer than the part it was i was meditating on it and what it meant for me and so when you when you have all of these in place when you have all of these in place let's read them all together right uh, well let's just do psalm 1 2 and 3 let me just read that to you quickly but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose, death, whose, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. See, that's one of those prospers verses. But you've got to read the stuff before it. You've got to read the stuff before it. And so, listen to me. Let's read it. Let's read it together. Right? It, the person who hears God's word... And Say it together. First one. Person who hears God's word and who and who and who and who that's the person who has a grasp that's that you can't take this out of my head. That's that sort of impossible tug that we were just demonstrating a few seconds ago. That's what that is. Now, I'm going to, in the next minute, show you how I'm going to help you do every one of these. Okay? So let's, let's go with the first one, okay? Hear God's word. Would you just please just come, listen, I will provide, the leaders in this church will provide for you a, an atmosphere where you're able to listen to God's word without any distractions. Where we'll just focus on God's word and we'll promise to do that each Sunday. By God's grace, we'll do that each Sunday. Would you just come? So we'll help you to do that. All you got to do is get here. Okay? That's it. So one got it covered, right? Amen? Okay, second one, read, read God's Word. I got you covered, I got you covered, okay? You're going to read, you go, but I don't know where to start reading God's Word. Ha <laughs> I got an accordion for you, I got you. Like, now watch this, you're going to literally, within the next 40 days, take a sort of a cursory view over the entire Bible, this takes maybe 15 20 minutes a day. Honestly, if you don't have 15 20 minutes a day to sit down and start looking at God's word, you just don't have enough time. I mean, you just you're just too busy to be blessed. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. And so, now, this is read God's word, but this is not only read God's word. Everybody turn this around. Turn turn it to where it says um, go further. No, no, no. Yeah. Go further with God. This is pretty cool. You can learn more about um Uh, God's Heart for the Poor and Oppressed. You can receive a free seven-day text journals. This is amazing. Now watch this. On the back of this, it says getting the most from God's Word. You know what this is called? Studying the God's Word. Studying God's Word. Right here on the back, I'm going to show you how to do a simple study of God's Word. You're going to first ask God uh, to connect with me here, beginning with focus and openness to see what God has for me. Then you're going to read it then you're going to reflect, then you're going to respond. Now, you can read exactly how to do that right here, but there's the instruction. It's that simple. So now, you have a a, a place to come to hear God's Word. Do you not? You have a place to come to, you have have a a system to read God's Word for the next 40 days. Third, you have a way on page, I don't know, but it's there, um, how to study God's Word, where it says, um, getting the most from God's Word. That's number right, you're studying God's Word. Now, memorizing God's Word, here's what you're going to do. Anytime, memorizing God's Word, anytime you're reading God's Word this week and a verse jumps out at you. I don't care what the verse is. I want you to memorize it. That's the Holy Spirit tugging on you. What should I memorize? Whatever the Holy Spirit jumps out at you. If there's something that strikes you, it could be a phrase. It could be a couple of words together. It could be a full-on verse. It could be anything. Whatever it is, you're going to memorize god's word because if you're engaged god's going to start to provoke you to memorize his word lastly this week for the next two weeks what i'm going to do for you is i'm going to if you just get on um oh i don't i'm so unelectronic at this time at this age of my life um twitter twitter okay does anybody have twitter anybody know what twitter is okay all right, for the two of you who know what it is, you're going to be blessed. Does anybody have a computer? Okay, great. Okay. You can go on Twitter and you can, my, uh, What? anybody know what my name is on Twitter? It's Edwin Cologne. Okay, it's, it's, it's Edwin Cologne. Um, no, because you have emails and stuff like that. I don't remember. And so it's Edwin Cologne. It might be just one word though, right? It might be one word. So it might be E-D-W-I-N-C-O-L-O-N, no space in between. Here's what I'm going to do. Every single day, I'm going to give you something to meditate on. Every single day, I'm going to give you I am free. And then I'm going to give you a scripture that speaks about your freedom in Christ. I am secure. And then I'm going to give you a scripture that speaks about security. I am loved. And I'm going to give you a scripture that speaks about, and you're just going to walk around all day going I am loved. Because you, and you're going to remember that scripture. And you're going to go over it in your mind. And so, so now watch what we've done here. In, in this one thing. But here's what I need you to do. I just need you to take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. And God will use this and one way to, um, to make Christ. Listen, guys. Listen to me. I want so bad. I want this for you so bad. Could you imagine what would happen to, your, to how you love your spouse if, if you would just start believing God's word? about your spouse. Could you imagine what would happen? It would transform your life. I got no more time. Please. Let me pray for you. Father, you're a great God. And I talked for a long time, so I appreciate their graciousness, Lord. Would you make this real in their hearts? Would you make this word something that comes alive in their souls? Help us, O God, by your grace to hear Your Word coming every Sunday, to read Your Word, just opening up with the, with the gift that we've been given, to study Your Word, to memorize Your Word, and to meditate on Your Word. Father, I pray, I pray that You would make this real for us and that You would help us, help us to see Christ as the center of our lives as You grow us, in getting into Your Word. We thank You, Lord, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.